Greetings folk, my name is Nick Engel and today I'm privileged and grateful and happy to have my old friend from Lani Ntanzi, from Lani Anon Ntanzi from Chesterville Road 4 with me and Pumlani, thank you so much for um, for joining me this evening. It's so great to be able to to chat like this and and prepare to record some of your memories and your meaningful story. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Looking forward to this interaction. I would love to just um, today hear your story, maybe um, maybe fresh just how life was for you growing up in the township and... Uh... Yeah, so as you say, I, I grew up in Chesterville, Road 4. Uh, I grew up in the times when um, obviously it was still under apartheid and things like curfew, you know, where you were not supposed to be on the road at a certain time, especially if you are a guy. And, you know, things like um, be, not being allowed to be more than a certain number of, um, uh, because it was always assumed that you were planning some mischief. So this was when you were a teenager? Yeah. Because you were born in, you were born in 78, Six. 76? So you're talking, you're talking 80s now. Yeah. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. yeah, and it was also during the times when people who were a little bit older than me were going uh, abroad, you know, they were being sent, they were joining MK at that time, and the MK would then send them to other African countries for training. So just for the listeners who may not know, that's in Kondwe Seas where... That mm. was the military wing of the ANC. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And ANC is the African National Congress. Mm. Yeah, so it was around that time, and you know, you would have people missing because obviously they were not allowed to tell as to where they're going. They would just disappear, and for years and years and years. Mm. And uh, in the early 90s, people started coming back into the country. Uh, but unfortunately, some didn't come back because they died in exile um, uh, and in places where they were being trained. Yeah, yeah but uh, uh, fortunately, I, or I didn't go. Fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how you want to view it. Mm. I didn't go, I stayed. I, my family wasn't too politically involved. Mm. My grandfather was a pastor, so it was a Christian family. Um, but obviously we were still affected by what was going through. Um, yeah, so that's that's the condition under which I grew up. And then obviously we had transition that happened, you know, early to mid-90s. Um, I cannot claim that, you know, throughout all this period I understood everything perfectly, but uh, I was aware in terms of what was going on. But I appreciated more what was going on in the mid-90s because you then suddenly saw the change that we thought was never possible. We saw black people being able to vote for the first time. We saw, you know, people ascending to um, political power or rather, uh, you know, in government. 
and we saw policies like black economic empowerment where people were being empowered you know we saw this was now post 94 yes can we just go backtrack a little bit and we'll come back to this um I'm interested in what it felt like for you because I remember you also sharing the story at um, your schools that you were at um, where there was some unrest and toy toying. So you had these various experiences. You mentioned the curfew, but what did? Because I grew up in lush leafy green Westville. I was a little bit older, but so it was quiet, it was peaceful, so we were largely not aware of what was happening there. So, but your, so your experience was totally different. And, and how, how did you feel while you were growing up? You mentioned some of the, some of the, the restrictions and the, the injustices, if you could say, in terms of mm. how you were not free to, um, as we were, yeah, perhaps. What did, what did that, what did, what did that feel like? Was it just normal? Or? There was some sort of a level of normal uh, because, I mean, just like you were insulated mm -hmm. and protected and didn't know, you know what was going on on the other side of the borders mm -hmm. between Chesterville and Westville, it was the same thing, you know. We didn't know any better. So, you know, one always assumed that um, what was going around was normal. It was expected to be around for a long time. Mm. Yes, the way, uh, you know, the, uh, I did uh, aspire to be something, you know, to, to make a good living for myself, to be educated. But, um, I mean, if you think about now, globalization and the TV, the impact of TV and seeing things and being exposed to what uh, the outside world looks like, it makes one to think, you know, a little bit further than than what we used to think in those days. So, mm. yeah, there was that sense of this is it, it's we're normal, it's okay, mm. um, but we want to make, you know, make it out there in life. So, mm. yeah, that was there. Insulation was there. So then, and then your, when did you, when did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, gee, it was 1989. Because that was the same year we went on the camp. Did you go on that same church camp? When no, we, I think you, just, you guys had just returned from the camp. That was just the, the whites. That, that was basically... It, I think we were only whites when we, were, when we went on that camp. Yeah, I joined towards the end of 1989. I think it was October, if, I, if I'm not wrong. So how did you get connected to the church? There is a lady, I don't know how this lady got connected to the church, but this lady used to run a, a children's church in Chesterville. And she was friends with um, the Van der Mullen's uh, seniors, okay. Tony and Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, so she was friends with them. I think she used to work for them or with them somewhere. And then she introduced me to them. And at that time, they were running a, a church kumbi or church transportation from Chesterville to to Westville. And what that's is how your I age? You know. In 89? Uh, sure. <laughs> Do you remember that? 13, 12, 13, somewhere okay. there. Yeah. Mm. 13. Probably yeah. going into 13. Yeah. So that kumbi took you to Sunday morning church? Yeah. Okay. It was their company kumbi, their business kumbi. 
Uh, it was a, a, a Toyota High Ace with no seats. It's a panel van. Uh, so if it wasn't Tony driving us, it would be Mike van der Millen or, or AG. But as time went on, more and more folks got involved mm. and offered with lifts, especially for the older um, uh, uh, ladies, and, uh, men and ladies, uh, because there were no seats in the combi, mm. and then the smaller sedans, private cars would help. Mm. So then, and then was that your first exposure to... I mean, I assume you'd been to Westville before, or was that your first time you... I'd been to Westville okay. before. Yeah. Um, there was a shop, because around those days, unlike now, there weren't uh, shops or spaza shops. There weren't many. So in if Chester. you... Yeah, in Chesterville. Yeah. So around somewhere in Alvira Road, mm. there used to be a small shopping center, uh, small shopping center there. And uh, that's where we used to shop, and that's mainly yeah, yeah. we'll sure. go around there. If not that, it'll be working in people's homes, white people's homes, during the weekend or school holidays. Okay, as a teenager, you were doing that already. Yep. From before the church or after the church, after. Uh, before the church. Okay. Okay, so you so so you'd seen and worked in the big, dust leafy green. Mm. Wasteful houses. Yeah. And what did you, what were you thinking? Look, it did uh, change the way of thinking mm. because one suddenly realized that, uh, you know, there are people who are, well, they look rich based mm. on the size of the property and the amount of vehicles they've got in the yard, etc. So, but then, you know, I don't think I actually could comprehend as to how they got there. And why they're there, and we are not there. So um, it was, I mean, some sort of amazement in terms of what you could see, mm. um, and it was clear that there were there was a huge division between the black and the white, Westville and Chesterville. Mm. That's all I could tell. And the then rich the, and the poor. And then the church did that. I mean, did when you got involved with the church, did that? make a difference I mean we were still because I remember with Peter when he took us on the camp you probably know the questions that were asked even though you weren't there like mm. does the image of God have something to do with color what color is justice he asked us why so how do we treat the domestic workers in our homes are we paying a just wage etc etc and I mean this is quite I suppose um yeah, this is this sort of lays things bare a little bit. But did that? Did you feel like the church was meaningful or was relevant or or helpful in terms of those in in equalities or? Just well, uh, initially, I did not. I could not understand uh, what the church was trying to do okay. i think the main thing for me uh, and also what made me stick around was the love okay that you we saw hmm. people expressing love and it wasn't in maybe even with words you know it was just the sense of feeling you know loved a yeah. hug a smile 
you know, uh, that kind of thing. So that's what really got me and quite a lot to stick mm. around, quite a lot of people to stick around. Mm. It's only as time went on that, um, you know, you started appreciating some of the things that, like you are saying, that the, ch the, the things that the church is standing up for, the church is saying, mm. you know, raising the pertinent questions. Uh, just say about in my late uh, teenager years, that's when I started realizing the church is really up to a serious business here when it comes to unity, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, us being diverse but being united, when it comes mm. to talking about, you know, cultural deposits within everybody's culture, uh, which makes it, uh, you know, a godly, a godly culture. So is it, it's, it's a, as time went on that one so appreciated that. So when you say cultural deposits, are you um, referring to what Peter was teaching us, that every culture has got deposits of God in them? Yeah. Um, and then we keep, we keep the godly stuff that we have in each of our cultures and then bring that exactly. together to, to benefit each other. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because, um, I mean, uh, previously you were told that anything African is ungodly. Um, but it's clear, based on the teaching that we receive, that, you know, God is interested in black people as well. You know, he's, there is a godly deposit. And that put together, you know, mm. together with, with all the godly deposits amongst people who are different, will mm. will form a, a beautiful simonia before God. Yeah, simonia meaning we are one. Eh? Yes. Mm. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm reminded of two guys, Sadhusunda Singh, who was an Indian holy man who kept his Sikh um, uh, robe and turban after he became a, a Christian, where a lot of the Indians, most of the, the Indians, were, when the Hindus became Christians, they would take on Western clothes because they were, uh, uh, that was the spiritual or the right thing to do. And then he was quite, he came under quite a lot of flack, even from the Indian Christians, for keeping that, his traditional clothes from his culture. And so that, that's one guy that did that. And then somebody on the, who crossed over from the, Western European side was James Hudson Taylor, who would then actually wear Chinese, because he was a missionary in China, but he would actually wear the Chinese clothes. So he crossed over into Chinese culture, and then he got a lot of flack from the Western missionaries for doing that. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I've benefited is actually learning learning the positive and I, I always feel enriched by learning something and beginning to value and appreciate something from a culture that's different from me and as you say which is also which is also in God and just because just because um yeah and uh anyway we could get onto the deeper things that the, the Bible itself is actually a an eastern book not a western Book, but that's a that's a whole another thing. Yeah, I think there's some sort of reality that is taking place. I can't find the the, the right term, but I'm gonna use the word reality because mm. where some people have been, um, uh, what's the word? 
not hypocrites, but pretending. Okay. So. Itogi. Yeah. <laughs> so people who who I have to show off that way, the little yeah. way that I know. Did I say it right? <laughs> yeah. People who have been amatogi. People That's who I don't want to be pretending. <laughs> yeah. Are sort of, you know, getting to the edge of that, or rather, getting to the edge of that act, and the true colors are showing. It's a very unfortunate so thing. So things that have been under the surface. Under the surface. Yeah. And people can like no longer... Like the race longer, issue, racism. Yeah. And people can no longer hold it mm, and they just, mm, you know... Especially with social media and... Exactly. Mm. Because you find some people, I mean, uh, I can make numerous examples, but you find some people that you would never think such a thing will come out of their mouth. Mm. But then they say it and then suddenly, no, no... Uh, I'm not like that. I apologize, and you know, it just it was a spare of the moment type of thing. But if you say it with your mouth, it must be in your heart. You know, mm. the fact that you said it under pressure, it's you know, it's it came out naturally. Mm. What comes out naturally is you. Out of the abundance of the heart. Yes. The mouth yeah. speaks. In 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 churches at times, that that's the really is taking place, mm. and and at, on a couple of occasions, I have come out to I'm gonna use the word attack to attack that spirit because for me challenge it, it's maybe. evil. Okay. Mm. You call it challenge? Well I'm challenging the person, you're not attacking the person, you're challenging the spirit that's behind Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, mm. I'm, I'm I'm attacking the spirit. Mm. Um and I have also been disappointed at how senior leadership at times are not you know dealing with those matters in a way that I feel should have been fair. Senior and leadership in which environment? In church. In churches. In churches. Yeah. Um, you talking about the race? The issue. race issues. The mm. racist remarks. The racist mm. um, uh, uh, um, things. I'll, I'll give you a good example. Mm. Um, there was a time. I'm going to read something here. Sure. I was a member of this Christian group mm. and I actually pulled out from it because I felt, you know, that um, this person who wrote this text, so uh, what happened is there was a, um, a picketing on the highway in Pine Town and this was the message that was sent to all the Christian brothers and sisters, mixed black and white, right? Mm. But for the sake of trying to, you know, explain this point. The person who sent this is a white person, mm. right? He says, urgent, stay away from King's Road, Crom Crompton Street, Pinecrest, and all the roads in between. It's dangerous. There's rioting. Now, rioting and picketing is two different things, unless my English is, you know, messed okay, up. Okay, help me, help me with picketing, because I, I... People are just, you know, um, um... They're on the street trying to make their voice being heard. Mm. A demonstration, basically. A demonstration. Mm. Rioting, that's when you're causing problems. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I wasn't there. So maybe yeah. there was rioting. Okay, rioting, throwing stuff, blocking the roads, and all their normal games sure. uh, going on. Mm. Okay, so please tell anyone who's not part of this group, etc. Stay mm. safe. And I just thought, okay, so how do I do this? If I got the same message and I had to share it, I would have edited it so that it comes across as just 
you know, warning people and not adding all this mm. funny stuff and, you know, and doing and, and saying all those kind of statements. We now need to, you know, to stand for what is right. You know, justice. We were talking about justice before this recording. Mm. So we need to stand for the justice. So it, I question people who, who are not seeing that. I mean, not long after this thing here, mm. there was the... Um, it's the same group that some time ago someone sent a message and said um, uh, my car has been stolen here is a picture of a black person that I think has stolen my car they actually said black person yeah black person and the picture sure. was a black person and uh, and also <laughs> so they didn't actually need to say black person because yeah. the picture is black. was clear yeah this is uh, if you know any black person please ask if they know this person if you know any black <laughs> <laughs> of course, you all know each other, don't you? Right. Yes. Yeah. Because all <laughs> because you black millions of us know each other. So I responded. Sorry, I I'm said, laughing, but it's actually not funny, is it? I responded. I said, it's "I'm so, so sorry you lost your car." And by the way, in I'm the group, black. in the group, yes. <laughs> by the way, I'm black, and uh, I don't know this guy, but I also find your statement very racist. Sure. And, uh, it public, you said it publicly. That's, that's good. Because that's good. she said it in public. Yes. How big? How many people in the group? Sure, I don't know. Probably over hundred. Okay. And, but a Christian uh, group. Yeah, and I was okay. quite disappointed that the senior leaders or people that I respect did not senior leaders you know, of that WhatsApp of that group. group. Yes. And it was actually they didn't respond to your message. They didn't respond to her message. Okay, and then after you spoke? Yeah, but before I spoke, one mm -hmm. leader actually asked, he said, who are you? And the person who sent the message, you know, introduced herself, so no, my name is so-and-so, etc. And then the leader... So, so they asked this lady who yeah, she is? in the group. Okay. And then as soon as she So not everybody knows who everybody is and so on? Well, as soon as she said, because you know in a group, people don't put their names... You know, I'm saying the, these people don't know each other necessarily they face to face, but face to face. They do know each other, Okay. Uh, but obviously not everybody knows everybody. And, I mean, if I look at my own life, what I try to do, and even now as I'm, as I'm sitting with you, I'm thinking, Jeez, Lord, if I've got um, any racism or any iniquity or anything in my heart, Lord, you know, just take it away you know there's that beautiful um psalm of david where he says search i think i think it's psalm um 139 verse 23 and 24 search me and know my heart lord search me and know my heart try me and know my innermost thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me or any way of pain and you know remove it and lead me in the everlasting way i think one guy that i also appreciated as Nigel Brenkin, who you, you'll remember was social worker and working with Nick Crow and then moved into Hillbrow uh, later with his wife, white guy. And he, he started journaling on his Facebook diaries of a recovering racist. So he began to call himself a racist in recovery. And he was quite contrite in the way he brought that through and including himself and saying, hey, I think he was speaking mainly to the whites. He was challenging whites about racism, but saying, I myself am a racist in recovery, as in, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or a recovering alcoholic and so on. So 
Um, and I think it's always helpful with any anything like this for us to acknowledge that we all we are all human beings and and fraught with weakness. And I think until we go home to be with Jesus, we're all going to have issues to deal with in our in our hearts to help us to become more like more like Jesus. And I think that's where we need each other to help each other to mm. see. You know, and see. I love that song. Zimbele, Zine, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So I need you to help me, you know, we need each other. Yeah, mm. no, that's true. And uh, look, you've spoken about Nigel Branken now, mm. and uh, obviously your life as well. I, I appreciate, you know, a lot of effort that has been put by some of our uh, white brothers and sisters in terms of reaching across, mm. you know, uh, and, you know, humbling yourself and getting into the shoes of somebody. So that really, to me, speaks volumes in terms of how you're viewing things and what God is putting you through or what you're allowing God to put you through. Mm. Uh, so, and to me, you know, I, I know that you're probably not looking for to be uh, glorified or put in a pedestal, but... That to me speaks volumes. And I think we are short of men and women of a white color in our country who will do that kind of thing. I think there's been a lot of reaching out, you know, black people reaching out mm. to whites, you know, you know, like uh, extending the olive branch and not, and not much, you know, the other way around. Do you think, so, do you think the class distinction might also have something to do with that? That, you know, crossing over to a poorer area as well. And the poor areas obviously being primarily black mm. in our country. Mm. Yeah. But also, I think it's part to leave our of comforts, you know. It's, mm. uh, I think, you know, human nature kind of wants to be comfortable and requires an effort to, to go into somewhere that's not... And I, I agree that it needs to happen. Mm. Yeah, look... I don't know if I can put a label in it, but um, the reaching out, you know, has been one-sided mainly, mm. and and yeah, it's coming you. to a point. Well, where you guys have had to. I mean, just by to get, like you're saying. I mean, even mm. to to buy your your basic groceries, you had to travel outside of your own mm. area. To buy food and then go back, and you—I mean—you didn't have vehicles. You had to walk, mm. so you were f you, the the whole system um, forced you to come to us, mm. and yeah, so so the system also kept us out of your areas. I mean, the system kept us. The system, well, initially didn't allow blacks and whites to live together, as you know. And that's where Peter challenged us and said, you know, is there such a thing as an unjust law, for example, Group Areas Act? And if so, what of civil disobedience? And if that law goes against the word of God, what's the church's role? So, if I, I'm, and I'm wondering where I would be personally if it wasn't for the West Christian Fellowship Church and that camp with Peter Fenikuk and the leaders and taking us into Chesterville. My mom had I'd grown up in an Indian Lutheran church, and I remember my parents had taken us once to Lamontville before, so I maybe had gotten more of that than than most whites. 
but uh, it was just a, it was a few incidents with my parents. But then the WCF was a, a specific concerted effort where where the whole teaching was saying, you know, that that the church needs to be this multicultural group. Revelation five nine, you know, that they sang a new song saying, "Worthy are you because you purchased with your blood men." people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So, and then Jesus' John 17 prayer, praying for us to be one. So the multicultural, we began to get in, we began to see in the eternal purposes of God that God wanted us to be together. And, uh, but if I didn't have that spiritual mandate together with the practical things that the WCF did with us and the relationships that we were building, I don't know where I would be today in my thinking because some of these conversations with some of the white guys that I've been having recently that are saying there is no land issue and it's either is there a land issue or there is no land issue. Um, and I'm thinking, I'm gasping and I'm thinking, well, how can, how can you not see it? But I'm also then wondering, Maybe my thinking is a bit further along because of this history from 1989. I mean, we're now in 2020, um, so that's 31 years. And I don't know if some of these guys have ever been to a township. Um, mm. Or certainly I don't think they've been, you know, building relationships there. So, yeah, so I was challenging a, another brother from a, from a different culture, not black or white, um, to, we were, he was saying something similar that the whites need to reach out. And I agree with that. However, if they're not doing it, I believe we still need to speak, especially if they're not do, doing it, they need to hear that message. Let me say we, us whites, need to hear that message that we need to cross over. Because how does one, how does one see things through another person's eyes without crossing me over I mean empathy mm. and, and I think that guy um, <clears throat> there's a movie that came out recently about him um, uh, it's called Just Mercy um, Brian Stevenson who was a human rights lawyer he fought for children that got black children that in the south of America that got sentenced as adults to life in prison tried as adults because they were black and he and so he was has been fighting and defending those children and also also innocent um, black adults on death row and so on um, and one of the things that he talks about is proximity that you, you've got to get physically proximate and be close to people um, to actually in a sense empathize and see things through their eyes and I think I think, I mean, even with us being in the home cell together, I mean, the story about the, the, the toy toying and the challenges that you had 
at school and the difficulties even that you're sharing with me now we built a relationship and we were in the home cell together so i that's where i learned these things and then you helped translate the even that shout to the lord and the the different songs that you helped you helped me to learn the language but i don't think those things would have necessarily happened if we hadn't been building that personal relationship as well so yeah so i think we need god's help um it seems to be that the way this conversation has gone tonight is that it's actually the christians and it's the it's the white christians largely that have got work to do because if we've had genuine encounters with the lord jesus christ and Jesus is living inside our hearts, then our hearts should be starting to become soft and wanting to feel and, and actually feeling compassion. Jesus felt compassion and he healed. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So if Jesus is living inside my heart, I'm going to start getting some feelings and some emotions and feel some compassion and empathy for another human being. He said, as you guys have taught me that the word human being means but it's not about the language it's about that i start wanting to um yeah feeling some compassion for that person so maybe we need to pray for the whites that they will see it and that their hearts i mean we've all got work to do but that seems to be something that's come through from certainly from tonight also seeing some of your your personal experiences even recently like that whatsapp group and so on so i want to say i'm sorry <laughs> again you know as peter's taught us that thing of vicarious repentance with a scapegoat that that i'm sorry and and i i ask your forgiveness for any of these things that that us as whites have um done against you personally your family your uh, four forebears ancestors um yeah i'm sorry and we need to make it right no thanks <laughs> yeah yeah forgiveness is, is is quite important it's the first mm. phase of building yeah um i mean having said all of these things we also have our shortcomings we've had mm. our shortcomings when i say we i'm talking on the black side mm. of, of things um there are a whole lot of uh, beliefs or things that we've said you know that are, are not right and yeah i also do ask for apology on behalf of black people um and what sort of things uh, well uh, I think in terms of, like we earlier on, we were talking about cultural differences, mm. you know. Um, you know, the, the, I know that there's been a huge debate about, well, there was a huge debate about the word umlung, mm. you know, because some people believe that uh, it's actually, is devilish, it's, it's evil. But also there are some other beliefs. It's not really, for uh, me, the way I see Black people it, believe it's evil. Yeah, mm. yeah, because if you read in Revelations, I would have to find the chapter mm. where they talk about 
uh, the red devil you know yeah. type of thing so or pale devil i think it was oh. so that was oh, the pale the, horse not pale? the pale horse the ashen horse. horse yeah that's why i'm saying i would have mm. to find it to scrutinize it but mm. they could there was that um uh, uh, there was that uh, thinking and belief so yeah i think that is well needs to be forgiven it's an example mm. of many things, but anyway, sure. no, that's, that's what it is. I know that you. our issue was was really racism, and you know the ownership of land, etc. Yeah, which is 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 a, a big problem. Is a big problem. Your your issue was whites being racist, basically. Yes. Mm. And land, yeah, and then the land issue. Do you have any thoughts on solutions for the land issue, other other than the fact that? We need to actually get some of the whites to understand that there is a land issue, um, yeah. and practically, um, yeah. What are we going to do? Look, uh, I I don't know if I, I would say I've I've got a a solution, but in my thinking, and somehow the beauty of this lockdown and the due to Corona and the life post lockdown. Now I'm talking even economy, etc., is that it presents an opportunity for us to think differently, you know. Mm. Whether it's an education system, it's a financial economic system, we have to think differently. So I know that, you know, the, the in terms of the grant and you know social relief, you know, payouts, etc. So they're thinking of expanding those because we're suddenly realizing that people are poor, you know. They've always been with us, people have been poor. But because of how we were thinking, how the budget for the finance and tax was collected, we were not prioritizing them. Now we're thinking that probably people need to earn an income if they are not employed. You know, that is the um, uh, discussion. This is already happening. You know, if people and, are, and, and the corona has caused that discussion to happen. The corona has caused that, that thing to yeah. happen. It has. I, I think it in a way it has began to reset. Mm. The economy. I mean, Tito Mowen in the Minister of Finance is talking about a zero-based uh, uh, budget. Because what happens uh, up just before Corona is, if a certain uh, ministry got X million last year, the following year it'll get X million plus 5% or plus 10%. Even though, mm. you know, we should be prioritizing another department. Whereas with zero-based, we're saying it's fine. doesn't matter what we gave you last year. What... Are we prioritizing where should the money be going to you know so if people like uh, Gaddafi I don't remember Gaddafi saying he was a Christian the the late uh, president Libya. of Libya yeah uh, uh, from what I'm made to understand is that that president in that country through whatever they they've done they never had to pay for education from grade not up until the end of the first degree now if I'm wrong then somebody can correct me you never had to pay for the education. And hopefully you find a job after the degree. But if you don't, you then get paid some sort of income just to push you up until you are able to get a job. And if you happen to get married and have kids, etc., you are then organized some sort of property so where you can stay with your family if you're not earning some sort of income. So that kind of thinking, this kind of doing things, to me it's kingdom mentality. You know, How do you? Well, what's your take on on capitalism, capitalism versus socialism? Well, I don't uh, have a, a view on any of the two. I just have a view in terms of, you know, we should be looking after everybody. 
you know you 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 can label it, label it whatever but i also think that it's scriptural you know i don't think we can sort of push the scripture into any you know um, uh, any ism as they would say as they, they say but it has to it has to be you know um, where we take care of everybody mm. what do we what would you call that mm. so for me yeah for me this, my take is that it's uh, the kingdom of, that god's and i've also learned this from peter that god's economic system is actually the kingdom of mm. god it's neither capitalism nor socialism i see both of those systems as flawed kingdom of god things like righteousness the bible says righteousness exalts a nation it doesn't say a clever economic system exalts a nation so when those kings do good <clears throat> when they listen to the prophets that say do good and advocate for the orphans the widows the foreigners the poor mm. it's the poor that you're talking about the afflicted the oppressed those principles giving generosity sowing and reaping so doing doing good and looking after people i think part of looking after i know i i'm uh, hesitant to give people a whole lot of stuff for free even with my music lessons when i was working with street kids i would always say to them you need to pay at that time it was some time back i said i don't care if you pay me one cent per lesson but you will pay that lesson because poverty is also broken by giving so if somebody's giving even something mm. small like that widow i mean look she gave everything she had but her poverty i believe was also broken by that giving so i'm not saying all the poor people need to give everything they have they have but i think you know if i look at the guys here the robots in westville i don't i generally don't give them anything if they don't take you know for example my tin can or something with their their packets because then then they, they've actually got a job if they're taking my rubbish they're actually doing something and there's a dignity so i'm actually paying him for a service and then i'm actually empowering that guy so that yeah, so I think it's it's important that I mean you know the the thing about you know given it'll be given to you. So I think having a good a good mixture of that generosity, looking after the poor, but also helping, like Kobe would say, you know, if you f give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, then you feed him for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So that empowering, empowering the people. I think that's a principle that we both agree on. Mm. Indeed. Fumlani, thank you so much for your time. Do you have a parting shot for us? And it'll be wonderful if you could just pray, pray for us, pray for the listeners. But do you have any any parting shot either on the race issue or any other issue that you'd like to share with us before your 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 self-imposed curfew that you have made for yourself? <laughs> yeah, we do have a mm. curfew placed by the president. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, no, anyway, but I'm saying you're, yeah. I know you've got, you're an early to bed, early to rise man from yourself. Yeah, yourself. no, thanks for this opportunity. I think it's um, quite important that these discussions do take place mm. on an ongoing basis and we learn from one another. Um, we challenge each other uh, because, as I said earlier on, you know, time to fight physically and other means is, is long gone. Now we need to you know, come around the table and discuss matters. Mm. So I'm very grateful of this and I'm hoping that it sparks, you know, other discussions um, or rather discussions emanating from this, you know, to to people's homes in, in, in 
places of uh, gathering and we start building a unified South Africa and we have newer ways of doing things and newer ways of thinking things through. Mm. Thank you. Pray for us. Um, Father, we pray. We thank you for this opportunity and we are grateful to be to have an opportunity to be partakers and really being co-creators with you in a way participate in building the future with you in us we thank you holy spirit that your spirit hovers around uh, our minds in this world through these words and it inspires you know new thought it inspires change and it, it really filters in a new spirit of unity and a new spirit of thinking things uh, afresh. Mm. We pray for that, that Lord, you bring through a new generation in our country, yes, Lord. in the world, people that uh, are really kingdom-minded, people that are really um, uh, thinking in terms of unity through diversity. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, Lord, I just pray a blessing for Pumlani as he interacts with the, with the whites uh, on whatever groups he's on, Lord, that you just give him wisdom and help him to help uh, the people to see things from the right way. And just bless him, Lord, and his family and um, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, sorry, and Pomlani, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. What a blessing uh, to be together, and uh, thanks for stretching it close to your self-imposed curfew, which is well before the president's curfew, and uh, appreciate you. Thank you.